Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Wednesday, February the 6th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I'm joined via Skype by healthcare guru, Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you? I'm great. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun show. Uh, really just love diving into these companies that nobody's ever heard of. Yes, yes. So, for our listeners, today's show is all about under-the-radar healthcare stocks. Some of them you may have heard. Others likely have never crossed your path. Uh, So, we've got four stocks, two from Todd, two from me, that I think uh, our listeners will appreciate. Todd, let's just dive right in. Uh, Let's start with you. Your first stock is actually a genetics player uh, known as Envite, and that's ticker symbol NVTA. Todd, what is it about this stock that just makes it so compelling for you right now? Well, what I wanted to do, and I, I usually do this every six months or so, Shannon, I'll go into one of my screening tools and I'll say, you know, show me show me the stocks that are, are, are beating the market by a significant amount over the course of the last, you know, six or 12 months um, that are also putting up just remarkable revenue growth. And, and I do that with, for, you know, uh, with a market caps of, say, less than $5 billion because I want to try and find some up-and-comers maybe that the large institutional investors haven't um, really spent the time and attention yet in, in getting to know about and, and thus you know might end up driving demand later on. Two that I'm going to talk about today, the first one here being Invitae. I have been desperately trying to find a stock that I wanted to invest in, in this space um, since foundation got bought out um, by Roche. And this, this is the one. I mean, I, I do have it in my portfolio for full disclosure. Uh, it's got a market cap of $992 million, and their goal is to bring genetic screening to the masses, if you will. They want to you know, be able to have what, be a one-stop shop where you can get genetically screened for any information that you might want to know. Um, and they want to be able to do it at a very low cost, which I think is key to breaking down the barrier and making this something that everybody uh, can go out and, and get. Because I really do believe that that's where this that's where medicine is going. We're going to personalize medicine. We're going to know our genetic makeup and our predispositions and you know what drugs may or may not work well for us based on that. That's my personal opinion. And Invitae already has products on the market and you know they're growing very very quickly, Shannon. Yeah, significant growth. Then I want to go back to something you mentioned because I don't think uh, investors holistically really appreciate just how fast the technology has moved when it comes to uh, genetic testing and just mapping the human genome. Um, 20 years ago, just reading one human genome took literally years and cost more than a billion dollars. And today, you're talking about maybe a few hours of your workday, and we're getting closer and closer to that $100 mark in terms of mapping uh, human DNA. So, the economics are coming together. The opportunity is huge. And to see a company like this, not named Illumina, (laughs) is certainly encouraging. But yes, I think the growth runway uh, for these companies is huge. Yeah, they want to have a you know comprehensive. They want to do it cheaply. Um, you know, just to give some listeners some, some numbers here. In 2015, they were able to bill for 19,000 uh, genetic tests. In 2016, we went from 19,000 to 57,000 billable tests. In 2017, we went from 57,000 billable tests to 145,000 billable tests. Through the nine months uh, that have been reported in 2018, that number then jumps to 206,000. 
And in January, they said the full year was 302,000, which is double the prior year. So uh, just remarkable demand growth. And I think a lot of that is is because, you know, A, the prices are falling. Like they, they I think that they say now about 28% of their business comes from um, individuals or institutions and the remainder comes from third party third parties like insurers. So they're getting more broadly reimbursed. The prices are coming down. That's allowing people to go out and get it on their own through their doctor. Um, and of course, sales are 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 jumping as a result. In 2019, Shannon, they think they're going to do 220 million in sales. That's up from the preliminary 144 million last year and 68 million in 2017. So in the span of three years, going from 68 million in sales to 220 million in sales. And if you back that out even further, if you look out over the just past five years, five years ago, they were only making $1.6 million in revenue. So it makes that $220 million mark even more astounding just in terms of how quickly they've been able to grow sales. But Todd, it's really not just about growing the top line, because they've also been able to really cut down on expenses, too. Yeah, I think this is a scale business. You know, as you get um, more and more scale, you're going to be able to increase the profitability. Their gross margins are a little bit lower than others that are already out there, like Myriad Genetics is, is one of their competitors. The gross margins are a little lower. And as they get the scale, that the profitability should should improve. And right now, they're, they're still losing money, right? Because they're investing and growing their business. That does not concern me, because it's such a fast-growing business, and I think that it's a disruptive business, and I think the market opportunity is so big that I'm willing, I'm willing to suffer through some losses for that. One of the other things that attracted me to this company, uh, Shin, was the fact that this is a spinoff from Genomic Health. And it got spun off in about 2012. And its co-founder and executive chairman is Randy Scott. Randy Scott, prior to founding Invitae, Randy was the co-founder of Genomic Health. He was also the uh, founder of a company called Insight. Now, listeners may not be aware of it, um, Genomic Health has become one of the largest players in, in, in genetics. Their market cap is about $3 billion. Insight has become a massive drug developer. Their market cap is about $17 billion. So, you know, I, I kind of like these been there, done that kind of leaders. And, you know, with Randy Scott having been there and done that, uh, that gives me a little additional confidence. He owns about 6.5% uh, of Invitae's shares. So there's a lot to like about this company. Um, I also like too that they're not just focused on the consumer side, but also to just partnering with biopharmaceutical companies as well. Um, they've got a partnership with Sarepta Therapeutics, a company we've talked about a lot on the show. Um, and so they actually announced they were expanding that partnership. I believe it was uh, in May or June of last year. Um, so you can see how they can grow the consumer side and also grow uh, with the biopharmaceutical side as well. So a lot to like. Let's talk about your second stock, Todd. This is one. Uh, the name of the stock is Inspire Medical Systems. Ticker symbol is INSP. And they've got an innovative approach to a condition that really impacts so many millions of people, and that is sleep apnea. Todd, what is it about this company that really sticks out to you as being so innovative? I'm one of those millions. I mean, <laughs> you know, I actually was diagnosed with mild to moderate um, sleep apnea earlier in the year, and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to find a solution that works well for me, um, and that's why I, one of the reasons that I was so intrigued 
by Inspire Medical. It's a little bit bigger market cap. It's 1.25 billion market cap, uh, but it's also incredibly fast growing. And the reason that they're fast growing is because a lot of people like me are struggling to find a good solution for sleep apnea. What Inspire Medical did is they developed a minimally invasive device uh, that will deliver a small stimulation to a nerve um, by monitoring your breathing while you're sleeping. And what that, what happens with that is that your tongue will sort of move forward a little bit so that you won't block your airway causing that that apnea. So this is a really, really interesting idea because it's very different than the other approaches that are commonly looked at. I mean, you have these devices like mouth guards that you can wear that may or may not work. They didn't work for me. Um, you have CPAP machines, which are those machine those things you wear on your head like you're I don't know, in some sort of uh, uh, science fiction movie uh, that blows air into your airway to keep your, your airway open. Um, that's, that's also used. Uh, and then, of course, there's surgical options, but those can be pretty costly and, and you know, the outcomes are, are uncertain. Um, so this is a really interesting idea because it, might, it fits in between, okay, CPAP doesn't work for me, but I don't necessarily want to go out and get surgery. And so far, sales are starting to ramp up, you know, pretty quickly as more and more insurers agree to reimburse for it. And Todd, it's not just sleep apnea that uh, this this potential implant could help, but also snoring as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when, you know, they they talk about the complications that are, that are associated with sleep apnea and uh, snoring: bl- higher blood pressure, hypertension, heart failure, stroke. I'll add divorce. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you know, if you can find something that will uh, will keep your partner happy, that's right. <laughs> that's Todd. always a good thing, right? Um, you know, it's a pretty large market. You said uh, 17 million people in the United States with moderate to severe uh, obstructive sleep apnea, and about two million per year are prescribed CPAPs. And you know, according to Inspire's data crunchers, about 35 percent or more um, don't comply with daily use of those CPAP machines. So potentially a very, very large market for the company that it's only now just beginning to penetrate. Its sales in the third quarter were $13 million, which sounds small, but that was up 80% year over year. And, you know, not only do they have the opportunity to continue to penetrate here in the U.S., but they've also started to sell this uh, in Europe. And the sales in Europe rose 141% year over year last quarter. So for, for the full year 2018, their guidance was $47.5 million. Uh, gross margin of 81% and a loss. Uh, they're losing about four or five million per quarter right now. But again, I'm not so worried about those losses because big addressable market opportunity, fast revenue growth, and relatively disruptive product. Yeah, disruptive uh, in more ways than one. Uh, I have to admit, as I was studying for the show last night, I was actually in bed and uh, I pulled up the website and I noticed that they had actually taught a remote control that you can actually turn the device on and off. And and as a mother, my first thought was, oh my gosh, if my eight-year-old daughter <laughs> somehow got a hold of this device and went wild, what would happen in that case, Todd? Do you know? <laughs> what, what? I think, honestly, I think what it is is that you just, when you go to sleep, you you hold the remote over your where the, where the implant is uh, to activate it. And then you set it aside. And then in the morning, you, you shut it off. So... 
Just make sure you put it in a drawer. <laughs> put it in a drawer. But yeah, I do love the fact that this is an innovative product. No mass, no hose needed. Um, and really, just the convenience. I know it is battery operated, so you will have to replace the battery after 11 years or so. But just like you mentioned, Todd, this is a great um, in-between, not having to go through surgery, not having to worry about a CPAP, but something that is minimally invasive and could potentially bring relief to hundreds of millions of patients around the globe. Um, so with that, let's shift gears. I want to talk about uh, two stocks that are on my radar right now. The first of which is a company called Allogene Therapeutics. Its ticker symbol is ALLO. Uh, Todd, one of the first things that I like to look at when it comes to investing in biopharmaceutical stocks, especially early stage uh, companies, is management. I, I think management is really. Um, the one of the most vital components. So I'd like to see an experienced management team, people that have been able to bring drugs across the finish line. They've jumped through the hoops. They know how to interact with the regulators, and Allergene is no exception to that. Um, Allergene, the the management team is probably best known as the executives behind Kite Pharma. And Todd, you and I have talked a lot about CAR-T therapy and Kite Pharma, but to see Ari Beldegram and David Chang as the faces behind this new company that just IPO'd in October, I have to say I was thrilled and excited, and I cannot wait to see what happens with this stock. Yeah, Beldegren, he isn't just known for Kite either. I mean, he, he sold a company called Agenesis to Estellas for over $500 million back in 07. He founded a company called Cougar Biotech um, that developed Zytiga that he sold to Johnson & Johnson for a billion in 2011. Um, you know, this is this is a person who has done some pretty interesting things. So um, it'd be really curious to see if he can catch lightning in a bottle yet again. It was funny, when I was looking at the stock, I realized Ucart 19. I saw that and I was like, "Wait a minute, Ucart 19. Is that their drug or is that Pfizer's drug? Whose you, drug is that?" You are absolutely right. Ucart 19 is uh, a part of the the deal they picked up from Pfizer and then the French-based uh, Servier company as well. So yes, Ucart 19 coming back to life here. And so one of the things that I really really like about this company is, so we've talked about CAR T therapy, which is basically where you're taking a patient's own immune cells, their T cells, taking them out of the body, re-engineering them in a lab, growing them, and then giving them back to a cancer patient to fight cancer. So you've got these supercharged T cells, um, and so we've seen. Um, Novartis has a CAR-T. Kite, of course, has a CAR-T now under the umbrella of Gilead Sciences. And so, obviously, you can think about the logistics that are involved with going through this process. Sometimes the wait time for patients is three to four weeks from vein to vein. So, there's a lot of opportunity for these next-generation CAR-T therapies to hopefully not only cut down on the time, but also the cost. And that's really where Allergene is focused. It's something called allogeneic CAR-T. Basically, it's the same premise, but you're getting healthy a healthy donor to donate their T cells, which hopefully by that point are in much better shape than, say, a cancer patient who may have gone through chemotherapy. So you've got a healthier T cell um, that you can now give to a patient um, and potentially fight cancer. So I love the approach. I will say it's a it's a little strange for me, Todd, just knowing that you know, um, Ari Beldegren sold the company Kite Pharma to Gilead Sciences for twelve billion dollars. Obviously, I could only imagine what that pitch was like in the room, 
But as soon as they sold it, now you've got this new company with this allogeneic approach that they are easily saying is going to be the CAR-T therapy moving forward. So a little interesting uh, uh, strategic move on their part there. But I do love the science. I love the management. It's still very early on. Um, their lead asset that we talked about, UCART 19, um, that they picked up is in uh, phase one development. So it'll be a while before we really start to see what the allogeneic approach can do. Again, there's pluses and minuses for, for both types of CAR-T therapies, side effects that you do have to watch. But this could be a way for them to actually gain traction in terms of logistics and also reimbursement. Yeah, I think greater than 10% of the people who are waiting for their own CAR-Ts to be re-engineered and shipped back to be using them um, actually either pass away or because of manufacturing delays or whatever, never actually end up getting that CAR-T medication. So there's a huge need for something that can be delivered off the shelf. And I think that that could be very disruptive. You mentioned the Gilead Sciences connection. Uh, what's interesting as I was going through the SEC filings is I noticed that Gilead actually owns 8.4% of this company. So that's something to keep in mind, too. Maybe Gilead is that was kind of the uh, the negotiation there. Uh, <laughs> why don't you take a little stake here? And then, you know, if it goes off, well, who knows? Maybe you might want to require us uh, as well as uh, like you did with Kite. Um, Pfizer owns 25 percent of the company because of uh, the deal to get their hands on UCART 19. And then Belvagon owns about 14 percent of it. Yeah, and so the stock IPO I mentioned uh, in October 2018 raised over 324 million, basically valuing the company at that time at over two billion dollars. Stock is up about 24 percent since its debut on the markets. Right now, sitting at about 31 dollars a share, with the market cap of about 3.7 billion. Um, and so, yeah, this will be a company to watch moving forward. Again, very early on, but definitely put it on your watch list. So that brings me to my second stock, our final stock pick, and that is a company that is known as Myovant Sciences, and that's ticker symbol MYOV. Um, so, I like stocks that obviously have good management, have innovative science behind them, but I also really like stocks that just have a good news cycle coming up. And really, Myovant Sciences, when you look at their pipeline, they could potentially have five phase three data readouts in 2019. And it really comes down to their drug, which is their bread and butter, and it's called Relugolix. And I'm not going to say that any faster than that because I will get tongue tied. But Relugolix is the company behind, is the uh, drug behind the company. And so, really, for my event, they are looking at three indications, primarily focused in women's health, but they also have one in men's health. But in the women's health side, they're looking at uterine fibroids and endometriosis, and on the men's health side, advanced prostate cancer. So, the drug itself is known as a GNRH antagonist therapy, which in short uh, is being studied for its ability to suppress hormones that regulate the menstrual cycle. The idea is, if you can regulate the hormones, you can improve many of the painful um, and just debilitating symptoms that happen with uterine fibroids and endometriosis. So, in 2019, they've got Phase 3 Liberty 1 and Liberty 2 data reading out potentially as soon as the second quarter um, of this year, and also, again, in the third quarter. Um, in the uterine fibroid space for Phase 3 Liberty 1 and 2, 
that's an indication where over 3 million women suffer in the U.S., and 250,000 actually have to undergo hysterectomies because of uterine fibroids, which are basically these benign tumors. So that indication in and of itself um, is huge. What I really like about this indication is that also this is not necessarily a new space. There are other um, companies out there that are developing products for it. But in Japan, my event is actually partnered with Takeda. And Takeda actually had positive phase three data in this indication. So obviously, the read through here on the US side um, definitely beefed up its chances of approvability. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. But uterine fireboards is the one to watch first for this particular company. Could be a big <clears throat> battle between uh, this company and Abvi down the road because Abvi has Elegolix that uh, actually just started got launched in one indication, one of those two indications um, last year, and expected sales about $200 million there. <clears throat> they do think that their option is going to be better than Allegolix, though. Um, it requires once daily dosing instead of twice daily dosing. It has a longer half-life, so they think they can compete more effectively. They picked up the drug. This is a Royvent company. So, you know, people who follow the industry, this is Vivek Ramaswamy's, one of his companies. Um, Royvant is kind of like a biotech incubator type of company. They go out, they buy these license, do these licensing deals to take drugs that have already um, <clears throat> been under some development by other companies. In this case, it was Takeda that developed it. Royvent went out and acquired the rights to it. And then Takeda and Royvent went out and started up this company. Royvent owns 61% of Myovent. Takeda owns 12% of it. And interestingly enough, as I was digging through the SEC filings, Pfizer appears to have a right of first negotiation on licensing um, U.S. rights to the drug if it's successful. And those rights also may apply to a deal. So kind of an interesting kind of side note for that as people look forward to the data readouts and start contemplating, okay, well, how will What's Myovant's exit strategy? Is it going to try and commercialize these things on its own, or might it try and find a partner, or might it just be up for, up for an open, open acquisition? Absolutely. And you'll also need to be watching uh, the endometriosis space. Todd, you mentioned that in regards to competitors. That's where um, AbbVie's uh, or Lissa um, is, got approval last year and uh, has really been dominating the space. I think I see a commercial for that drug at least once a day. Um, so they've got very strong uh, commercial presence out there. So it'll be something to watch. But my event will have data reading out with this sometime in 2019. Um, and then I mentioned also the men's health program in advanced prostate cancer. Um, really, for men, and using this drug, decreasing testosterone is thought to slow the, the growth and also the progression of advanced prostate cancer. So it kind of makes sense that they're going after that. The company does say that they're the only GnRH antagonist receptor in development for prostate cancer as well. Much smaller. That's interesting. <clears throat> That's interesting. I just want to jump in because I don't forget because that makes sense now with the Pfizer deal. Yes. Because Pfizer bought Medivation to get its hands on uh, Extandi, which is a prostate cancer drug. Huh, sorry. And the connection goes even beyond there. The CEO, Lynn Seeley um, of Myovant, was actually formerly at Medivation, which got bought out by Pfizer. Uh, so you see okay. it's all a connected network here. Um, but all in all, across all of those indications, you're looking at, right now, analysts are estimating about $2.5 billion 
in peak sales. Uh, when I looked, market cap was right around $1.3 billion. So, it certainly makes a compelling buying opportunity right now, I think, uh, especially with these improved odds of getting across the approval finish line. So, the stock is sitting right now at $18 a share, up about 12% year to date. Um, so, lots to watch here, a lot to like. Um, but, all in all, I think, Todd, you and I have given our listeners four very compelling watch list stocks. I think they're all going to be very busy looking at uh, <laughs> digging into these names over the course of the next weekend. Absolutely. Well, we'll be sure to keep you updated. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. That's it for this week's industry-focused healthcare show. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Dan Boyd. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!